welcome back to Manchester's Big Bit Up Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 6. The final full episode of this series, although we are releasing a cheeky bonus episode next week. To bookend our season, we are finishing also with an ADP audio drama, which, in case you don't know, we've got this partnership with Manchester ADP Audio, where they've recorded some of their scripts that they've had in, and we are releasing them and with interviews from people involved in the plays. So this week, we've got a play called The Bruise. It's by Dave Jones, who likes a lot of our Twitter posts. He's our number one Twitter fan. We're great fans of his as well. Um, and this is a brand new radio drama. Um, it was performed script in hand at ADP a while back. It also got turned into a kind of full-length play at the Manchester Fringe last year. Um 2017. 2017, um, directed by Craig Sanders. And um, this is the kind of radio drama version of um, of that, and it's a monologue. So we hope you enjoy. Hi, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself to introduce yourself to the listeners uh, in a few sentences? Hi. Um I've been writing creatively for about six years. Um, what inspired me to get involved in creative writing was um, I sent in a piece to the Best of Bolton Showcase at the Octagon Theatre um, six years ago, and it was chosen as one of the pieces to be performed. And then shortly after, I went on to uh, do a 10-week course organised by the Workers' Educational Association on Socialist Theatre, um, which was not what I expected. I ended up um, helping to write the play about the Spanish Civil War <laughs> and perform it uh, <laughs> on stage at the end. Who um, There were several characters I was playing, but <laughs> um, I also sang on stage for the first time because I had the least worst voice uh, of the group. But... Um, what happened then was that um, as a result of meeting some of the people on the course, um, I then um, wrote a couple of short plays, including a two-hander, um, which um, the, the original story of The Bruise was based on, and they were performed at Smith's Restaurant uh, in Eccles. Um, so uh, The Bruise I'd originally written for... Um, the best of Bolton at the Octagon, but it didn't really fit um, the kind of criteria they were looking for at the time, so that was shelved. Mm. And then when the um, ADP started up, we resubmitted it, and um, it was performed at the second night of the ADP in September 2015. That's the scripts allowed, kind of Monday evening scripts allowed. It was, yes. And that's uh, the day before it was performed. I met Mary Hooten and Craig Sanders, and that started the beginning of a beautiful friendship. So <laughs> Mary is the, uh, the actor who's performing in the audio drama. Yes. And Craig is the director. Yes, director, yes. Who directed the... Uh, it's the stage script. version, is that right? That's right, yes. Stage. yes. And um, and the director, can you remember? The- Jamie Kehoe directed the audio version. Very good, you should do my job again. <laughs> uh, um, what, um, and why, just quickly, just before, obviously the, the um, listeners won't have heard this uh, drama yet, but just in a few 
sentences could you tell us why you particularly kind of chose to talk about this subject and this story? Um, the story covers an issue of domestic abuse uh, and particularly the experience of Eleanor Morell, who's the main character in it. Um, the reason I chose the story, I think, I'm not sure if I chose it or it chose me because I've been interested and involved in the issue of domestic abuse um, throughout my working and personal life. I was a trade union rep for a number of years, so I was involved in drafting policies and dealing with cases where um, people had been affected or their families had been affected by domestic abuse. And unfortunately, I've also known um, a number of friends and family who have been affected as well. So it was an issue that was close to my heart. And um, the reason it's called The Bruise is that it explores um, through the story um, the image of a bruise is one where it can be both um, an accidental happening. We often kind of associate bruises that happen to children uh, when they grow up and uh, it's something that fades. But also, um, as you become older, you're aware that bruises are inflicted um, and they're not accidents. And so that kind of... Um, inspired me really to um when I thought I thought about the title and then developed the story around that. Great. Okay, so shall we let's hear the piece now. Joseph Morell does live here. No, I'm afraid he's not available at the moment. I'm his wife. Eleanor. A, a report of a disturbance. Oh, right, uh, come in. The kitchen's a bit of a mess. Uh, let's go into the front room. Uh, please, sit down. I won't be a minute. I'll just get us both a cup of tea. Oh, could I make you a coffee? Okay, tea it is then. When I was a kid, I must have been only three or four years old, I remember pointing to something on my leg. Look, Mum, I said, it's a, a plurpy thing. Plurpy? she queried. For a moment, she had a look of confusion on her face. Oh, that, she laughed. That's called a bruise, a purple bruise. And nothing for you to worry about, love. It'll soon fade. Yesterday evening, I was thinking about her. I don't see her as much as I'd like to. It was one of those days when I was more lost in my thoughts than usual. I finished the housework, I owned Joe's shirts and made sure his trousers had sharp pleats. That's just how he wants them. Always very particular about his clothes. Sartorial, that's what my mum calls him. Always very particular about everything is my Joe. I still had more ironing to do, but I thought I can do that when I get back from the shops. I had to go to the supermarket, you see. I needed to pick up some tinned salmon and a loaf of bread for Joe's tea. 
quarter of an hour I waited for a bus. Road works again. They're always digging up the high street for one thing or another. Anyway, I got to the supermarket and I made a beeline for aisle 17. Uh, that's where they keep the tins of fish. I instinctively reached out to where they keep the John West tin salmon. But there was just a gap on the shelf. Then I heard a familiar voice ask me if I was okay. I, I turned round. Uh, it was my friend, Annie. She could see that I was flustered. I, I, I told her, I can't find any John West tin salmon. Why don't you try the own brand, she suggested. It's on special offer. I know what my Joe is like. He hates own brand. I still put a tin in my basket. When I got back home, I went straight into the kitchen to prepare Joe's tea. It was already half past five and he was due home in half an hour. I had to make sure I got everything right. A piece of iceberg lettuce, unshredded, six thinly sliced pieces of cucumber, and a ripened tomato cut into four segments with the seeds removed. Then I buttered two rounds of Warburton's white thick slice loaf, just how he likes it, evenly spread with low-pack butter, low-fat, slightly salted. I made sure the butter covered every corner, and then I cut each slice diagonally. That's the way his mum always did it for him, Joe says. At three minutes past six, I heard his key in the door. More regular than clockwork is my Joe. I thought he'd be in a good mood. It was Friday. I was always in a good mood on a Friday. No more work till Monday, and the weekend to look forward to. Had a good day, love? Then I saw the look on his face. I knew I'd said the wrong thing. I've had a shit day. I sacked a bloke last week. His bloody union reps got involved. My manager's given him his job back. She gave me a bollocking. And me for fuck's sake. Well, at least I've uh, got your salmon ready for tea, love. He calmed down a bit at that point and sat down at the table. His tea was already laid out. He was off out at seven to play darts. When he gets home, Joe likes a, a bit of peace and quiet, so I, I went into the kitchen to tidy up. I was washing some pots and then I heard this loud crash. I hurried into the other room to see what it was. Joe's plate was on the floor, smashed, there was food everywhere. I began to shake. I asked him what was wrong. Had he had an accident? Wrong. You know very well what's fucking wrong. What you've given me. That is not John West tinned salmon. The more I tried to tell him it was, the more furious he got. He kept shouting over and over, Where's the tin then? Show me the fucking tin. I had to think. Tin. Tin, what did I do with it? I, I've probably thrown it away, I told him. But he didn't believe me. Not only did he want to see it, he wanted to see the tin there and then. And his fists began to clench and his knuckles were white and his eyes grew darker than I'd ever seen them. They were so very dark. I knew what to expect. I've been to the A&E a few times. I tell them I was, I was just clumsy, that I had fallen or walked into a door. But the nurses knew. The first time it hit me, he said he was sorry. 
He always told me he was sorry. I thought of going to the police, but I felt ashamed. I didn't think anyone would believe me. I always told myself and my friends I'd never put up with a man who laid a finger on me. Suppose after a while I got used to it. It became part of my normal. I don't know why this town was different. Something inside me snapped. I, I heard myself shout, No more! No more! Bugger the consequences! That's how I felt. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see that I'd left the iron on the sideboard. I wondered Joe hadn't noticed it. He'd normally have commented on it. So I reached out, grabbed it, and smashed it into his face with all my strength. He staggered back in shock. Not half as shocked as me, though. I, I was certain I'd broken his nose. I knew I had to hit him again, you see. It was him or me. After the third blow, he stayed down. Two years ago, yesterday. That's when I lost the baby. My baby boy. The doctors never knew why. My mother didn't either. But I knew. I think the nurses knew too. I knelt down beside him. I felt calm. Relief, you might say. I've never been one for praying it. It was too late for that, I thought. I'd check for a pulse. Nothing. No breath. I remembered our wedding day. I thought I'd met a man who'd love me, that we'd settle down and have children, that we'd be happy. And that's how all marriages start out, I suppose. But the trouble with life is, it always has this nasty habit of throwing up the unexpected and the unwanted. See, when you take your marriage vows, you hope. Now... You expect it'll last forever. But the trouble with forever is that it changes when you least expect it. There was a... What do they call it in crime novels? A, a rivulet of blood a trickling out of his left ear. I could see it moving down to join a stream of blood that was coming from his nose. There was a bruise on his face. He looked just like the one I showed my mum when I was small. I must give her a ring to let her know. Can I, I pour you another cup of tea, officer? Is it time to be going now? I'd just better go and tell Joe. The Bruise was produced by ADP Audio. It was written by Dave Jones, directed by Jamie Kehoe, and stars Mary Hooten. Special thanks to Salford University for supporting the project.
thank you for that, uh, Dave, that piece of writing. Um, should we just start by asking what, why you chose to pick this particular story? Um, I think it's because I started, when I wrote this, I wrote it originally as a short story. And um, I think I, after the per- first piece I'd written, which was performed at the Best of Bolton, I quickly realised that um, I wanted to write not stories, but actually pieces for people to perform. Um, I, I, I felt um, that um, it gave me sort of great satisfaction hearing the pieces performed, probably from an egotistical point of view. Right. Um, so um, I then... Um, I, I, I was experimenting with writing, so I uh, I think because um, I hadn't really written much dialogue before, um, it, this piece really um, was easy to convert from a short story into a monologue uh, uh, with with one voice, and and I and I do enjoy um, writing. Monologues is uh, <laughs> um, as it's been proven at the uh, the <laughs> ADP, um, but um, yes. Yeah, so it was. Um, it certainly was a, a a powerful piece, and that was very well received when it was first performed. And there's also been a stage version of it, hasn't there? Yeah. Um, so how um, can you just tell us quick about? Was there any changes? Did you do quite a lot of rewriting for that stage? It was called Forever Changes, wasn't it? The stage That's right. version. Um, what happened was um, after we'd, because it was very well received at the ADP, um, Craig Sanders, the director, kept saying that we must do something with this. And then uh, it was about 18 months later that he contacted me and said, um, how about doing something uh, that we can put together as a, a longer play um, and perf- and do it at the uh, GM Fringe Festival. So uh, last year we got together in January and um, we decided that the monologue was the uh, strongest piece in the play and that, that had to be the conclusion. So we then actually, um, I was tasked with going away and developing four or five characters and looking at the issue of domestic abuse from the ang- different angles, so uh, including um, the person we described as the perpetrator of the abuse, but there were other people, other characters, the mother of the um, Ellen Morell, who uh, was affected by the abuse in a different way, and um, there were two police officers who were also involved. So it, the play became um, an exploration of a number of themes about domestic abuse and also a story as well uh, w- yeah, with a conclusion. And you partnered with a charity, didn't you, for the for the um, Yes, because um, we we worked on uh, we had two or three days where we actually uh, got together and um, talked about the development of the play, and um, we did the play in conjunction with Women's Aid, so we performed it six times at 53-2 during the Fringe Festival and Women's Aid um, were supporting the play. They'd been involved in the earlier development and had somebody um, 
doing collections every evening, but also being available to talk to people who were affected by the play. Oh, great. And um, um, and you and is there a future life of this of this play, or do you think that's it? Um, I think so. um, it, it's. We've I've had now probably uh, almost twelve months to reflect mm-hmm. on it. Um, I think. Because uh, it, it was unusual in that as a writer, I was actually involved in all the rehearsals mm. as well. So we all had demarcation lines, but um, we were developing the play for probably over a couple of months before we formally started um, the final rehearsal. And how have you found that ADP has helped you as a writer? Because obviously you actually have had a few different things on there and have you really noticed your own style and the feedback has helped you yes um i've i think i've had four or five pieces on um i i think um it's been a, I, I think without the adp i probably would have been struggling to find a vehicle um or an outlet uh, for my writing and i think it's it's helped me um, both in terms of the people I've met um, and seeing other writers, how they develop and, and performers um, in developing the writing and developing story and skills. Um, I think as well, I mean, it, without um, the ADP, I would not have met Craig and Mary, so I wouldn't have been able to take that on to a, another level. So it's been... Um, it's been great, and, I, and I've also been involved in um, script appraisal as well. So that's something that's been interesting, looking at um, appraisals from a, or writing from a different angle as well. Oh, well, thank you very much, uh, Dave. Yeah, and, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, I look forward to hearing the next. Uh, yes. Seeing what's coming next. Yeah, I, uh, which I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this space. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. hope you've enjoyed this episode um, and I hope you enjoyed listening to uh, Dave's drama The Booze. We're going to have a final kind of cheeky ending episode with some bonus material in, i.e. material that I forgot to include in the original edits of the podcast, <laughs> uh, but they're going to be uh, bonus material next week, so for our kind of final, final episode of the series. So in the meantime, uh, have a lovely week. And during that lovely week, tweet, share, give us your thoughts. <laughs> And subscribe. And subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Download your podcast app, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, and you can then get all the episodes directly to you and Spotify as well. Lovely. Bye. 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 If you've been affected by anything that we've spoken about in this episode, you can contact the National Domestic Violence Helpline. Women can call 0808 2000 247. The Men's Advice Line, you can also call free on 0808 801 0327.